Welcome to this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, Director of Athletic Communications at AIC. This week, we are joined by a cross-country star, Benoit Campione, as he discusses the cross-country season and their upcoming race at the National Championship. We are then joined by head volleyball coach, Matthew Cribben. He talks about the team's slow start, but they have then since bounced back and have won 10 of their last 12 matches. They open the NE10 Championship this week as they host Franklin Pierce University on Tuesday with the opportunity to play for the title this weekend. Our first guest today is Benoit Campione of the track and field program, cross country. You do a little bit of everything, don't you? Yes, uh, during the fall it's cross country and then yeah, indoor outdoor track. So you're running year round? Sorry? So you're running year round? Yes, exactly. So it's a very interesting aspect, I would imagine, for you competing throughout the whole season. Is that something you really enjoy doing? Yes, yeah, it's really exciting because you have uh, new changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, our off-season is uh, summer, so we train during the summer to get ready for competitions that start from August to November mm -hmm. in cross-country. And it never stops. That's what I like. So then... From that summer, you guys, you mentioned you come in cross-country. You guys have had a really good season this year. Obviously, last year, another solid season for the team. You made the NCAA uh, race, and now you find yourself back in the same spot. The only real big difference is Leakey is no longer leading the pack. You have a couple other really good runners, including yourself, who have led the way this year. How has that felt knowing that you're a leader on the team and you have so many new people you're trying to make sure you get back to where you were last year? Um, Coach Mayo did actually a very good job recruiting people this summer, as you said, like we, we've got two new Kenyan teammates, like mm -hmm. Ezra and Titus, uh, we did very good, um, a new British guy, a new French guy, but also a lot of uh, freshmen mm -hmm. uh, from America, and like we had all the experience we got from last year. Um, I tried to like uh, learn a lot from like uh, my captain last year, uh, Paddy, mm -hmm. um, and try to transmit like uh, this level of expectation to the freshmen to make sure like of course yeah this year we have good results but they can um, keep uh, having high expectancies and high level on the next couple of years when we're gonna leave. Mm -hmm. So you guys hit the ground running you took the first three races that you competed in you took home the gold uh, at Trinity at Elms and Central Connecticut and Central Connecticut was probably your first big race against some high level competition. What was it like going into that race at Central Connecticut and beating some of these D1 programs? Um, the thing is that for the first couple of races, uh, we had freshman racing, and Central Connecticut was the first race when uh, Ezra, Tatus, uh, McGregor, and I were competing. Mm -hmm. So that was our first race with everybody's racing. Um, so we, we really wanted to set, like, high standards for the whole year. Uh, it was more like a hard workout, the mm -hmm. first like situation when we were actually racing, but um, taking our marks, like going for good effort and obviously like um, getting ready for later events. Mm -hmm. So then you guys eventually went into the NE10 championship race. You were picked to finish second overall, but you guys ended up coming away not only with Ezra winning the race itself, making, I believe, the fifth straight year an AIC runner has won the title. 
but you also took home the team award. You came in second place uh, with a time of 27.07. What was it like being able to run and take home that Ennington title? That was actually like um, the thing I had in the head since like last May. I, I got injured for Odo. I couldn't run conference Odo championships. And the, the thing that I really, really wanted to do is it was like to get back in shape, uh, get back with this new team and be able to get this title for like for my coaches, for my teammates and for me. Uh, I I really had in mind this Anything Championship. And the, the story uh, about that is that I, I wasn't certain about running because on the Wednesday before I, I got um, uh, a kind of uh, issue with my hamstring at practice. So the, the, the couple of days before Anything, I didn't run a lot. Mm -hmm. On the starting line, I wasn't certain. Uh, but uh, we had nice talks with my teammates and we, we all knew that we had to do well because we had put the, the work on it since day one. The first day of preseason, we agreed that we were going to do whatever we could to be the best of our abilities. Mm -hmm. And we all did it. And when you've done that, nothing can happen. When the work has been done, like everything is already written and we just had to race. And there was such a, a an incredible energy during this race. And during the race, um, I was really focusing on the team score, never on myself until the last lap. Uh, always like uh, talking to my teammates, like we were uh, really focusing on how are we gonna do it together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, during the last loop, I, I, I felt very good. I, I, I finished second, but uh, what really mattered was like, where are my teammates? What are we doing? And it was really a team race and we really did well. We, we scored only 39 points, if I remember well. Uh, it was a very good team job, and um, we did whatever we had worked for during the whole three months mm -hmm. of the season. And you mentioned that team aspect. In that N10 race, you had five people finish in the top 17, which is phenomenal. But you had your whole team finish within the top 25. What did that mean to you, knowing that, and you've already hit on it just a little bit, about knowing that your whole team were finished in the top 25 like you have the you have six of the best top 25 sorry seven of the best top 25 runners in the conference yes um we we, we had a, a good lead we knew since uh, since central connecticut uh, race that uh, we had a good good top four but the, the, the fifth guy is scoring for cross country so we need a fifth guy mm -hmm. and uh, the very exciting thing is that a lot of different guys from our team could be this this and that's what we said like take risk guys do not be scared because we have so many good guys who are able to do well like go for it and it's gonna be fine and actually like uh, even without Ezra without me uh, uh, we might still have won the championship because everybody was able to level up mm -hmm. and it was team workouts team race and then team win Mm -hmm. So then you guys went and competed at the East Regional for the NCAA, and you took home second place behind a really tough Robert Wesleyan team. Um, going into that, what was your hope? Were you planning to win, or were you just looking to make sure the team qualified for the national race? We wanted to win. Like uh, We were ranked second in the region, but um, we really went for the win. We we had to face a very good team of Robert Wesleyan. Like, uh, 
maybe we can say that we've lost against a better team than us this day. I'm not mm. saying that they are better, uh, but I, I can't say if we had done this, if we had done that. No, they were better than us this day. They were very strong. Uh, of course, we, we could have done like stuff a bit differently. Maybe we run a bit too much conservative. Like, you know, when you're trying to save energy for the end, reserve yourself, then to kick. But um, this, this the point is that they did a very, very, very low score, so very good mm -hmm. performance. We did well as well. I mean, I, I can't go back to any any of my teammates saying, like, you didn't have a, a good race. They all did their best, and this is just sport. Like, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, but as you kind of said it, like, we are going to nationals, we are going to California, so at least we, we save that this important thing. Mm -hmm. And you guys really had the finishes to really make sure you guys solidified that NCAA spot. You had Astra who won the event, you were third, you had Titus who was ninth, and then you had two others who were in the top 30. As you guys head into nationals this weekend, is that something that is really high in your list in terms of the confidence knowing that you have the team to potentially be a high finisher at the NCAA tournament or at the NCAA race and then even the possibility to win it? We want to be a top 10 team in the nation. That's, um, that's something we want to achieve together. Um, we know we have very good individuals, like Ezra is going to do very well. Uh, I am going to do well as well. Titus is going to do well. McGregor is going to do well. And then there are three guys for one spot of finishing fifth of the team. And I think it's sadden in Ryan and Gabe. They all can be the fifth guy that make us score well. And I think uh, the exciting thing is that they all can have a great race. Like, they can take risks, they can go for it, not uh, be scared of running nationals cross country. Actually, they, they, they did the work for it, so th I think they're ready. And uh, if the leaders of the team are able like, to, to show that we are confident, we are relaxed, we are going to do the job anyway, they just have to finish it. Mm -hmm. And they will. So one last question before we get to know you a little bit is I'm always curious about this question. I've seen Ezra and I've seen Leaky. Who's the better runner or who's the faster runner? Oh, I <coughs> they are both my uh, roommates, so I might have trouble if I answer this question. <laughs> um, it depends on the event. I've not seen Ezra running indoor yet. Uh, I think Ezra can, can be one of the top five finishers and nationals as an individual and I'm I don't know what what he can do I don't know if you have seen him running uh, at his best yet I think he is never challenged he's always like one minute ahead of us so like uh, how can we know um, yeah. I think the answer will come later when we'll see actually Ezra and Leaky competing against each other indoor and outdoor. So you don't want to say anything. You don't want to pick sides. You just want to see what happens when they meet indoor this season. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess that's a good cop-out, and I'm not going to force you to answer <laughs> that one. Uh, but let's switch gears a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and I guess what really – how did you find yourself at AIC? So – my name is Benoit Campion. I come from France and uh, I'm actually 21 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I went to medical school for three years in France University. Um, and before going to university, I was one of the best French runners. I, I had pretty good time when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. um, however, when I went to university, like uh, it, it was a very, very, it's really different than 
in the USA, it's, uh, it was a very, very uh, competitive first year of medical school. It's a selection year. Mm -hmm. So you've got like 1,000 students for 100 places. So I was working all the time, studying all the time, and I didn't have time to run. Mm -hmm. So one year without running, then a second year with a bit more of running, third year of university, a bit of running. But I really wanted to get the opportunity to run and to see what I was capable uh, of what I could do if I trained for it. So I had the idea of coming here in the USA to, to achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. And um, I contacted a few coaches, I emailed a few coaches, and I had a, a good chat with Coach Mayo. Uh, I knew there were good runners here at AAC. Um, I liked as well like the philosophy he shared with me when we, when we talked. So I, I came here and I sincerely couldn't find uh, a more adapted to, to, to me university. When I say adapted, it's like, uh, it's not too big. I wasn't that good in English when I came here at first, like in, in August 2018. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I find the family um, with very good teammates, coaches close enough to meet, like to help me in uh, and, uh, settling here. And then, um, and then, yeah, I found the teammates to, to improve with. Uh, and this year, I think I am able to like uh, give back to them. So that's what I want to do. I am the team captain this year, uh, and through this position, I want to be there to help uh, my teammates and give them back what I received when I came here. Mm -hmm. So then your transition, obviously you s mentioned that you reached out to a couple of schools and you talked to them, and Mayo was a big reason for that. Is, has there been any doubt in your mind that this is where you're supposed to be or not be? Of course, we we always take a risk um, by by coming here. Like the the common vision uh, from French people when you say that you're gonna go to to the USA to train for cross country and track and field is uh, oh they're gonna break you because mm -hmm. you're gonna train so much that then you you're just gonna be broken. And uh, I, I came with uh, like there's people around me telling me that, but uh, when I met Coach Mayo, that was more like, uh, okay, you've done that before, so we're going to go progressively, uh, gradually, uh, to reach this level. And um, I was uh, actually um, really happy to see that uh, he took into account like the fact that I didn't train a lot the last three years before coming here, mm -hmm. and was able to go through this process of retraining me, and uh, by retraining me, like uh, giving me time to reach my full potential, which uh, I started to do indoor. My first cross-country season was hard. But then indoor, I could get All-American, although I got good times as well. So that was um, thanks to this like gradually um, training process. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I got dubs when I came. Uh, but it was a hard first semester. And then um, I started to like improve in English, like know who to ask. Basically, I felt very like uh, not alone. I felt um, surrounded by good people, and that's what helped me to like move through. Um, I didn't feel any miss. I, I didn't miss my country. I didn't miss my family or my friends. Cause here I found a family and I found friends. Mm -hmm. So you had the cross country season. You had the indoor and the outdoor. Out of those three seasons, which one's your favorite? I would say indoor. Because in France, we do cross-country and outdoor season. We do not run indoor. Okay. And uh, when I came here for 
the first cross country season it was hard for me because I was like actually uh, not used to to run that much uh, anymore so I was struggling for every run uh, every race uh, mm -hmm. was uh, painful and when I went to Odo, I actually started to get like uh, mile uh, races, which are shorter and which I am better at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started to get good results. And you when you start winning races, of course, you you, you prefer what you you like what you're doing. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I loved indoor. Then uh, outdoor season was uh, the beginning was very good, and then I unfortunately got injured. So. That's the thing, like, uh, indoor season last year was awesome, and I really want to work. I think I did the work this cross-country season to be good next indoor season. I think you need to have a consistent season before the season you target, actually. Mm -hmm. So, indoor is your favorite. Is the mile your favorite event then, or, or what's your favorite mile to or what's your favorite event to run? I love the mile, because uh, the 800 for me is uh, who is able to sustain... Um, a very very hard effort for as long as you can but you don't have to think mm -hmm. you, you're just running as hard as you can um the, the the 5k start to be a bit long for me uh but the mile like you have to be fast and smart mm -hmm. and i think uh that's that's my uh my strength i i am able to analyze races and analyze my uh, uh the other opponents i'm running against like re real quickly and uh, take the good decisions at a good moment. And this is why sometimes I'm not the best runner in the race, but I can still win because uh, sometimes you just need to be smarter. Mm -hmm. So then looking at it this year, obviously you have, I would imagine, huge aspirations to make it to the NCAA or to the national tournament in that mile. What's your fastest mile time you've ever ran, e either in practice or in competition? It was at Boston University last indoor season. It was four minutes and seven seconds, 407. Um, of course, I want to run faster this season, and I know Leaky wants to run faster as well, and we both want to run a sub four minute mile. So I think we'll fight each other at practice to make sure we both do it next indoor season. Well, now it's going to be my next question. Is we always heard that a couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, but back a while back, there was always the question of was a sub four minute mile even possible? And now we've seen that broken multiple times. Uh, we've also seen now the marathon distance. Uh, we've seen that crush in under two hours. Is how big of a deal would posting a four-minute mile mean to you? It is part of what I came here for. Like I came here to have a different point of view about life, about sport as well. And um, when I was in France, I always set achievable goals because mm -hmm. I didn't want you to fail. I, I said that I wanted to do this because I knew I could do this and I did this and I was fine with that. Now I am here in the US and I want to set very high goals because guess what? I'm going to try. Maybe I will run sub four minute miles. That's awesome. Maybe I won't. But at least I would have put all the work to try my best to do it. Mm -hmm. I would have tried. You know, if I don't try, I will fail. If I try, maybe I will fail, but at least I have a chance. And I want to try to get this chance. So I say that I want to run this sub four minute mile. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but at least I will try and do my best to do it. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up things here, the same question I ask every single person who comes on on the podcast is, what moment in life has influenced you the most? I think it was when I was younger, when I was 18 years old, and in my last year of high school, I went to nationals. It was 3K um, outdoor track and field. 
and for this event, I was one of like the, the best seeded uh, franchise leads uh, of under 18. Uh, I, I was like the second ranked athlete. Everybody around me was telling me that I was gonna get a medal. Uh, in France, you you care about the podium, so one, two, three. Yep. And um, everybody was talking to me about that. I was in the best shape of my life. I, I, I had done the best workouts just uh, the, the, the week the week before, so I was ready. However, um, I got so much pressure for the young kid that I was um, that I didn't I didn't race. I I was so scared. Like I, uh, of course I. I was physically in the race, but I, I didn't do anything. I was spectator, and I, I was so scared. And the thing is that I was very disappointed. Okay, but straight after, I tried to analyze what happened. And since this day, I, I always think that if I have done whatever I could to be the best, mm. will happen. That is meant to happen. The I don't think you are uh, getting your reward during the race. You are writing the story before by training as hard as you can or as smart as you should as well not about harder but sometimes a bit smarter training but if you've done whatever you could well will happen that is meant to happen and uh no when i am on the starting line of a race i am not scared i i, I am smiling not because i don't care but because i am uh, very relaxed and i know i've done whatever i could so i know i'm gonna be good and um that's the thing I try to tell to my teammates. I do not be scared. There's no reason to be scared uh, for any 10 conference, for regionals, even for nationals. There's no reason to be scared. Like one day you will look back at these races and when you will look back, you will think, oh, in fact, yeah, uh, that was not that big, actually. It's always big when you leave it, but um, when you look back at it, sometimes you, you, you just realize that you worried a bit too much. And no, I'm, I'm trying just to 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 do the preparation as good as I can. And when I know I've done that, there's no pressure. I just want to go for it. I want to enjoy the pain. And I know I'm going to be good. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've always heard, uh, I think it's very true, is it's not about where you end up. It's about your journey to that position. Exactly. And that preparation, even mentally, physically, whatever it is, preparing yourself in all aspects, mind, body, and spirit for whatever you're looking to accomplish especially in that 24 to 48 hours before that big event or that big race. And it sounds like you've definitely embraced that. Yeah, I have uh, my rituals. Like, I, I, I am I really to do stuff as professional as I, as I can. Like, uh, every single detail is thought and uh, sometimes maybe a bit oversold, but it's just because I don't want to um, try anything new. I want to be able to control everything. Because mm. uh, if everything is controlled, well, there's no surprise. Like. The job is done, I am ready, my teammates are ready as well for this weekend, and we'll do what we've worked for. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck this weekend out in California as you guys compete in the national championship race, and uh, we're definitely cheering for you, obviously bring home the gold, but as you mentioned, a top five or a top 10 finish would still be a s uh, fantastic way to end the cross-country season. So the best result uh, uh, from the team so far is 12th place, so yeah, if we can uh, make the school history this weekend, it will be great. We'll see it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, Ben Ma. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite. Our second guest today is head volleyball coach Matthew Cribben. Thank you for joining us, coach. Happy to be here. So you guys had a little rough start to begin the season. You start out 0-8. 
but you played some really good competition. You battled some injuries. You were looking for some players to step up. But really, you guys have taken the next step to answer that, and you guys have won 10 of your last 12 matches. What's been that progression like for you guys over the whole season? Um, gosh, it's been it's been quite a ride. Um, the word we've been using from the beginning of the season all the way through has been um, our journey. It's a journey, mm -hmm. and it's got lots of twists and turns and bumps, and uh, any pitfall or obstacle we come across uh, is just the next step on the journey. So we've been fortunate that we've been able to progress so far in the journey in, in just one season. Um, having so many new players, having returning players, really key players, uh, not just on the court, but in our culture, being out early was was a really difficult thing for us to overcome. Um, and we felt, we felt a little short in some of our opportunities that we had. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the excuses kind of don't really matter to us at the end of the day was we didn't get our jobs done. We gave ourselves a tough schedule, um, playing, th I think, the number one strength of schedule in the region. Um, but at the end of the day, you gotta win your games. And uh, we didn't rise to that occasion early so we put ourselves um you know with a really significant uphill climb mm -hmm. through october and november and we we're very fortunate to have an undefeated october against some really good teams and then uh november has been uh a test against some very very highly ranked teams in in not just the any 10 but the east region um you know a win against bentley who was number two in the region finished number one, won the regular season in the NE10, mm -hmm. was huge. A loss to Bridgeport, who's now sitting number two in the East region at their gym, and a loss to uh, St. A's, who obviously is a top team in the NE10, and also I think uh, I think there were five in the last regional poll in their gym as well. So we're, we're competing well, um, and we're still challenging ourselves. It's not like we had a easy schedule and everything kind of got uh, much easier. It, it's still been a very tough schedule. Southern New Hampshire took us all the way to the brink um, on Saturday. So we're fortunate to have made positive steps in this journey. Mm -hmm. I think the moment that we saw some of the pieces finally come together for the team was in the International Volleyball Hall of Fame. Uh, Yellow Jacket invite that we guys there that we hosted uh, where you guys went two and two the weekend especially being able to bounce back from the weekend prior to where you lost four matches in five sets each what was that mental mind shift like did you see some of those key pieces come together at Wilmington before we hosted that tournament I think every time we stepped on the court we saw our potential mm -hmm. um, there was no denying that at any given time we could score against any team we saw and it could be a really high level play um the the journey again was learning how to play with each other learning to um you know rally around a freshman setter mm -hmm. and learning to uh get you know our grad student outside even though she's got plenty of experience in college she had zero experience as a yellow jacket and we do things differently and it it just took a lot of game time experience and you know, when you go five sets, four matches in a row over two days, you're getting, you know, at least two or three more matches worth of experience, mm -hmm. if 
you know, if they went 3-0, you know, we'd be out of there and have a little bit less experience on the court. Um, and it was frustrating, and we kind of had to embrace our frustrations. We, we're not the kind of team that says, hey, you can't be upset about this. you got to get over it, got to get over it. We're embracing our emotions. If we're going to allow our players to have the highs and the celebrations when we're doing well, we have to uh, allow them to have the lows when we're frustrated and we and we want to win. Um, we want to embrace their passion. We want to embrace their their fire and uh, the competitive spirit because mm -hmm. towards the end of the season, we believe that that was going to be the fuel that gets us through. And I think so far we've been fortunate to be proven right with that. Um, there's still a long way to go, and, and we see, need to see that fuel um, push us through the tournaments here. But um, I think just having those really stressful moments that test our character um, is is what kind of gave us the the mindset that, yes, we can do it. We can do anything. It's just got to put it together mm -hmm. in a pressure moment. No, one of the interesting things about your team is – I feel like if someone's having an off night, someone's usually there to now s take that step and to really cover that person, help that team out uh, in the moments where it's really needed. Is that something that you've tried to teach from the beginning, or is that something that's really more throughout the season? Yeah, so we've kind of always tried to build our team to be balanced, but mm -hmm. um, to be completely honest, that's very difficult to do when you get some of the athletes that we've been so fortunate to have um this year it's andrea she is top 10 in the country in kills uh, i think she's number five in points per set in the entire country she's leading the ne 10 by over 150 kills um she's incredible and so to try and balance that i mean you got to have a lot of really good athletes and we've been fortunate to have that um you know sarah has been tremendous for us she's in the top five of kills in the conference mm. um she's had her career year this year uh yana obviously is the most decorated player in program history um not having the you know set the world on fire kind of year but she's still solid um playing less games she's still in the top um 15 or 20 in the in the conference and she's able to kind of keep us level when we're not totally um producing from maybe andrea's just you know down a tick or sarah's down a notch or two and then through the middle which admittedly hasn't been something we have been great at in the past years have had plenty of talent but like i said the balance is very tough they're really coming along um and we've got a ton of depth there for the first time in a long time which is great we've got four players who can step in start and produce and, and contribute to a win that um, gives us the opportunity to to mix things up. If something's not going right, we have a lot of other options. And mm -hmm. so we're I think we've done a nice job this year of being able to not paint ourselves into a corner with just being a one-trick pony. Yeah, so we're recording this on Monday afternoon and the day before a big Franklin Pierce match. Can you talk a little bit about what you're expecting from that uh, matchup? Obviously, the past two matchups with them have gone five sets earlier this season and then last year up in New Hampshire. Can you talk a little bit about what you're expecting from them? Uh, I expect nothing less than an absolute battle. <laughs> um, Franklin Pierce does such a great job of 
requiring you to be the best team you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time we played them, they didn't put a ton of points on the board with kills and things like that, but they went five sets with us. So, you know, it's it's not always just about scoring points. It's it's about defending points. It's about putting your, your opponent into bad situations where they can make errors. And I, I honestly think there's probably not a better team in the NE10 that does that. They keep their errors low. They tell you that you got to play fundamental, high-level volleyball if you want to beat them. Um, and then they have the athletes that can – you know, put one down when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a very talented young team. I think um, Stephanie has done an incredible job with the recruiting. Um, huge middle there who's a freshman. Right side is a freshman. Um, got a transfer libero. They've got a couple other young players. They've just done a really nice job to set themselves up to not only be obviously in the hunt this year, but they should be good for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think it's going to be a, a tough matchup. I know that we're going to be capable of putting a lot of points on the board. Um, our challenge will be keeping points off their side of the board. Yep. Not contributing to any of that. Li- yes, exactly. Um, and that's been a, a weakness of us, of our side and uh, somewhat of a, you know, symptom of our over-aggression. Mm-hmm. So, uh It'll it'll be a fun environment. Um, we know that the NE ten playoffs are anybody's guess. I think uh, the top seed has lost in probably three out of the last four years, or, or something crazy like that. So um, we know that there's nobody's safe. You know, uh, just because it's a two seven matchup does not mean that we are an overwhelming favorite by any means. They're they're hot right now. They've won, I think, six of their last seven, and I think we were that that one loss in in five sets. So uh, they're they're a tough team. wasn't <laughs> wasn't looking forward to that matchup when we saw the the potential outcomes. Um, but I'm also happy that we get to the opportunity to challenge ourselves with the next step along the journey. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit. Part of the reason why we had this podcast is to get to know our student athletes, coaches. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, the sports you played, and uh, th- I guess where you went to college and how that went for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is a long story. I don't know the podcast is long enough for this. <laughs> well, then just give us the highlights. <laughs> All right. Um, so I actually was a soccer player for um, pretty much the entirety of my life. My dad played professionally over in Ireland and England um, mm-hmm. when they moved over here. Um, I'm the youngest of five, and so – my oldest two brothers somehow got into volleyball when they were in high school and the team was started it was kind of at a at a club level at the high school um they had a bunch of guys who were all interested in doing it they had a a really good coach who who was on board with it um my parents actually bought the first jerseys because (laughs) there wasn't any funding from the school and uh so you know 10 to 12 years later i you know, get into high school and and join the volleyball team. Now, I had played a bunch with them, just, you know, messing around in the yard, going to the beach with them, and um, I I understood volleyball. And uh, so when I get there, (laughs) the uh, it's time to get the jerseys, and it's the same exact jerseys (laughs) that my parents bought, you know, over a decade ago. Long-sleeve white cotton jerseys with a collar and a big, ugly yellow net that's, like, across the front. 
And I'm sure at that point they're no longer just white. I'm sure that they've little fading, yeah, couple stains, yeah. whatever they, here and there. They were pretty yellow. It was <laughs> bad. Um, but, you know, I was fortunate to have some exposure to volleyball before I got there because mm -hmm. kind of, you know, where I grew up, not a lot of volleyball happens before high school for boys or girls, mm -hmm. um, even less so for the boys. Uh, and then we didn't have any coach or anything like that. Um, we had a security guard at the school coaching our team. And, you know, credit to him. His name's Mike Bratz, and I still um, I still him have him as, w you know, a good friend. Uh, anytime I'm back home and I, I see him, I'm, I'm extremely happy to see him mm -hmm. because he took his time and he made sure that we had a team. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have somebody to, to uh, supervise us, he, you know, we wouldn't have had it. I wouldn't have be here because I wouldn't have gotten to play and I probably never would have, you know, fell in love with the sport. Um, so he coached us for the first year and then we had a substitute gym teacher the second year. His claim to fame was uh, that he was on the prices right and he played Plinko, which oh, that's the game. best game there is. Absolutely. <laughs> so anytime we would shank a ball up into the rafters, which was a lot for a bad <laughs> high school team, we'd all yell Plinko and stop playing. And um, <laughs> it was. It was comical, so, you know, but through that I met, you know, some of my best friends um, because I'm in volleyball and the volleyball community here is, you know, how I know basically everybody mm -hmm. who's, who's in my life and is important to me. Um, but, you know, I was forced to kind of help facilitate practices, having some exposure to volleyball, and that kind of was the introduction to coaching for me. Mm -hmm. um, I went off to the University of New England to play soccer, and... Uh, study to be a physical therapist and an athletic trainer and um, they had a club volleyball team so I kind of had the same issue you know all right I love volleyball I'm going to step in there I don't have a lot of people with experience um, I have a lot of exposure to volleyball at this point mm -hmm. so uh, as a freshman basically started running the team and captain president and all that all that stuff so got really into the the coaching and the administrative side of um running a sports team, and especially mm -hmm. a volleyball team. Um, so, yeah, and then while I was there, um, a juniors club asked me to uh, to help coach their, their 18s bronze team. At the time, they were called Portland North. Mm -hmm. um, now they go by Maine Juniors. And that was uh, my first official coaching role. Um, I also got to help out with the, the women's team at the University of New England with uh, Carol LaRue and she's still there coaching and has you know racked up numerous wins um, and so you know it just kind of was an opportunity for me to stay involved in the sport um, I ended up loving coaching and when I graduated I moved out to California with my brother and was playing beach volleyball was hanging out just living in the, the L.A. sunshine, mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden there was a job posting in, in New York for Sarah Lawrence College, and I applied for it with basically zero experience, and it was pretty late in the process, and they brought me in for an interview and liked me enough to give me a shot, and uh, I guess as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I've gotten to know about you during your time at Sarah Lawrence is you wore many different hats. Uh, as yes. tends to be at some lower level schools. Can you talk a little bit about your experience and what your other duties were outside of just coaching volleyball? Yeah. Uh, so 
Gosh. Uh, well, the coaching started as a part-time gig. So mm -hmm. uh, in order to help you know, supplement my income, they set me up as a facility supervisor after hours. Mm -hmm. And they also set me up teaching um, some of the physical education classes. Uh, they had a requirement that people had to get PE credits every year. Mm -hmm. And they, they offered everything. I taught ice skating. Um, I took them skiing and snowboarding to like this tiny little bump that they called a mountain. <laughs> um, uh, we did bowling. There was like indoor soccer classes, squash. Um, I also taught swim for fitness, senior water aerobics. <laughs> So uh, pretty much anything that you could think of, anything. except for that underwater basket weaving. No, yeah, we, we thought about adding that as a class, and I kid you not, that was actually a serious conversation. Sarah Lawrence was a very unique school. They loved all of the kind of out there things, um, but it was it was it was a grind. I mean, it was it was literally a hustle to make every dollar you could because, I mean, the stipend was forty five hundred dollars when I first started um, to be a part time women's volleyball coach. Um, from that, uh, it evolved into a, a full-time job. Uh, they had me create the first sports information <laughs> department at the school. So oh I'm wow. sure you especially can appreciate what that entailed. I, I had to start from scratch, get us a, a website through Sidearm, um, kind of set up doing the, the stats for uh, all of our sports. We didn't have mm -hmm. too many, which was fortunate, but you know, we had men's and uh, we had men's basketball, uh, women's soccer, men's soccer, uh, obviously volleyball, which I couldn't stat because I'm coaching yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, softball, uh, and then we had swimming. So just kind of figuring out how to give the student athletes as much as I could in the sports information world while still, um, you know, being a coach. And mm -hmm. uh, so w we relied on the coaches to to help with writing some of the stories afterwards, um, you know, giving us the results. And I just kind of managed it all and, and worked with some student workers. Uh, I also had to manage student workers in, you know, the fitness center, um, in the equipment room. I was able to negotiate a, a Nike contract for all of our sports. And, um, and then also as part of our, uh, our task to try and get into the NCAA Division Three, because when we first started, it it didn't have a a governing body. Mm -hmm. We had to add some more men's sports, which was a little bit weird because we didn't have enough men's representation for Title Nine. Yep. Um, so men's volleyball was um, the first one that we that we added. So I started a men's volleyball program there. Um, transitioned us into NCAA Division Three, and. Uh, you know, by now the the sports um, department there, and I still keep tabs on it, is has grown exponentially. They've got a bunch more full time staff members there, mm -hmm. but uh, it was exhausting. I mean, I I lived across the street from the gym. Anytime it snowed and they closed the school, I had to go open the gym. It was considered an essential facility, mm -hmm. and um, I mean, I was working at minimum ninety hours a week, which. You know, at, at the time, I loved because it's sport. It's doing all these different things, but, boy, it got exhausting. Yeah, there's definitely a point of diminishing returns. I mean, obviously, when you're working that many hours, back-to-back -back weeks, eventually, at some point, your your body is just going to tell you, stop, slow down. And 
That comes a lot quicker than some people think. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. And, you know, I was fortunate to to meet a lot of really great people there. Um, my athletes were so interesting. Um, and they, they played for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't high. It wasn't super high level. And, um, you know, we weren't going to win any national championships, but... Um, in the in the level that we competed in the conference that we competed we improved a ton we were able to win conference championship and um i was you know fortunate enough to get voted coach of the year which i think you know was helpful in my resume to get this position but um i think more than anything it just taught me so much about how an athletic department works all the little things that go on behind the scenes and and why i really need to appreciate a lot of the support staff um you know, Bo and Ben upstairs in the equipment room, that is a thankless job. Uh, you guys here in, in sports information, I mean, when it's Sunday and everyone gets their day off, you guys have to write all of your stories and recaps and reviews and get things prepped for the next week with all the games coming up. Um, there's a lot of time that goes in that people don't realize. So I was able to kind of get a really good idea of what goes on in an athletic department and from there, um, I think when you understand how things work, you can understand how to be successful at them. Mm-hmm. Well, we're running a little bit low on time, so it sounds like we'll have to have uh, have you on another another podcast here, and hopefully the near future. But the one question I do ask every person who comes onto the podcast is, what moment in life influences you, influences you the most, or influenced? Yeah. Um, Gosh, there's there's so much, um, but I think for me, a huge turning point was my freshman year of college in in a class with Dr. Uh, Richard Larue. He had us write a paper on our passion, and he talked a lot about passion and how it kind of changes your outlook on things. And I was an ATPT, and I thought that was a really cool thing, and I thought I was going to get to work with the, all these professional athletes and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but. Uh, it wasn't really what I was passionate about. And I was passionate about coaching. I was passionate about organizing sport and and, and being uh, someone for the, the athletes, which, of course, athletic trainers are. But um, it changed kind of my, my path that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, I started getting a lot more involved in, in coaching and finding ways to be involved in the sport community and um, I think it essentially just kind of brought me to the situation where I could start coaching at such a young age Um, my first job I was 22 and I had players that were 23 24 who were there and I never told them how old I was (laughs) but I think they knew I had an idea yeah so uh, that really changed my path and I think that's probably had a huge impact I've been so fortunate to just do stuff that I love all the time um my dad always is talking to me about like i just love how you get to do what you love to do 100 percent of the time you're not having to just punch a clock and get by so you can pay bills you get to do what you love to do and he's 100 percent right and you know obviously i have them to thank for instilling those kind of values in me um but that moment really put me on the path of my personal journey which Mm -hmm. has me here and you know loving life 
Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Coach, for joining us, and good luck tomorrow, Tuesday, as you guys take on Franklin Pierce in the first round of the NE10 Championship, and hopefully this weekend as you guys can make it to Friday and Saturday. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap on this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Poole. And be sure to join us this weekend as a lot of exciting action will be going on. On Wednesday, the 20th, men's basketball will host Post University in Butovo Gym, while the women are on the road at 5.30 down in Waterbury against Post. On Saturday, wrestling will be the Doug Parker Invitational over at Springfield College while men and women's basketball will host Pace University at 1.30 and 3.30 respectively. Also this weekend, we have cross country at the National Championships out in California, so be sure to pay attention to our website and social media about that, as well as volleyball possibly could be playing on Friday and Saturday as well. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.